Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hi everyone, uh, Duncan Casey of the Duncan and Duncan podcast here with Duncan Williams. Um, we're just doing a separate little piece now because obviously everyone in Munster Rugby was struck by the very sad news at the weekend uh, that Gareth Fitzgerald passed away. He was Duncan and I's boss for the entirety of our time at yeah. Munster Rugby and he was acted as boss to people that are a lot older than us as well. He was there for the bones of 20 years so um, obviously huge sympathies to his family um a very difficult time for any family to lose someone um particularly a guy of garrett's stature uh so tanya megan jamie and michael um we obviously keeping them in our thoughts and um feel very sorry for them at this difficult time don what was your relationship with garrett like um yeah obviously he was uh coaching christians originally when i was i think he left probably when i was going into second or third year um but he was a hero there because so his Christians hadn't won the senior cup for a couple of years and he came in and won it four years on the bounce, um, you know, coaching Dunners and those lads. Um I think Chuckin was James Collin would have been in that around that group as well. But it was uh yeah, he was kind of a cult hero after that in, in Christians. Um I remember you'd you'd see him the odd time and he was he was actually quite a big, imposing man, he'd be quite intimidating, but when you actually started talking to him you'd realise that he actually had a good personality and it was up for a bit of crack as well. Um yet as I said, quite intimidating. You wouldn't want to cross him. You, you hear stories about him on the, the training field, standing up to lads and uh, a few choice words. So it was, um, I was actually a bit gutted when he, he left Christians because I was hoping to be coached by him. You know, everyone, after after he won all those senior cups, everyone that was coming up in those years was was dying to get uh, coached by him because he's such a good reputation. Yeah, I'm sure he found himself in the role of CEO in an organisation that, the type of organisation that Munster ended up becoming almost by accident I don't think anyone could have foreseen how professional rugby was going to transform completely he took over in 99 and obviously that was the start of what became a really successful kind of glory period for Munster rugby and uh, as I'm sure we'll speak to Raj about when we do speak to him uh, I don't think anyone could have predicted that but he was able to take it all in his stride the developments in the game the difficulties the successes take it all in his stride and for someone to stay in a position like that for the bones of 20 years is uh, quite remarkable and for someone with such a deep attachment to the province to do so as well is um, even more impressive. There have been some excellent tributes paid to him, obviously. Um, the standout for me is from Philip Quinn, who both of us would know very well, mm. financial controller still, I think, in Munster yeah, Rugby. So. He acted as interim CEO when Garrett fell ill initially, um, but he wrote a terrific piece in today's examiner uh, which is worth reading if anyone hasn't read it yet um the opening paragraph kind of sums 
Garrett up could he well, or pretty well rather and um, uh, the kind of high esteem that he was held in by everyone he says Gareth Estrada was an exceptional man and somebody that we all looked up to in Munster Rugby he was a man of honesty and integrity with a huge passion for the game he embodied everything that is good in Munster Rugby and for us he was Mr Munster Rugby and I think that nicely sums up um, the, yeah. the kind of status he held and there you can see mind. in the headline Garrett was a people person to his core I think maybe our kind of generation didn't really get to appreciate that. I think, as you said, he fell into the role of CEO when pressure rugby was kicking off. And like, as you said, Raj and all those lads were kind of starting in the pressure game as well, didn't know where it was going. They were all finding their feet together. I think maybe there was more face-to-face time there and they got to really appreciate, as I said, the personality he did have. Obviously, there wasn't agents and it wasn't as professional at the time, so maybe not as high-pressured and high-profile. So I think, um, I think, Maybe we didn't, as I said, our generation didn't really get to appreciate that that side of him. Yeah, I think, well, I have it in my head that rugby back then was very much kind of, people kind of going around saying, oh, should we give it a go? Sure. Yeah, he, <laughs> we'll he, he, he wasn't locked in the bar after every game, like with his tie around his head or anything. Like, but was, <laughs> yeah, uh, exactly. But I think it was, it, it was like I was saying, it was very much an uncertain period. Nobody really knew what way it was going to go, whereas it, it obviously morphed very much into a business um, out of necessity. And uh, even though like, we, we all got on very well with Garrett, I think, um, mm. and, and were able to enjoy enjoy him when we got time with him, but uh, his role became far more of a yeah. business role probably than it was to begin with. And yeah. As a people person as well, like, he always knew everything about everyone I found. Like, even if I, when I bumped, I met him a few times in school, as I said, in second year, like, my brother was ahead of me, he knew was my brother, he knew my family, he knew where I lived, he knew where I was from, what club I played for before that. And that didn't change, I think, even till last year when I last met him, that... Any of the younger lads coming up, he knew exactly everything about them, and uh, I think that was that was a good thing to see. And I, I think I'm glad that he never lost that after how many twenty, twenty five, thirty years involved at Munster. So it was uh, it's quite impressive. Yeah, my parents knew him from their college days in UCC, and they remarked he was very much one of the cool kids. So he'd be kind of back in the day where you get away with going for a feed of points probably a few times a week before playing a Munster Senior League game at the weekend. But uh, he was part of that crew that uh, the lads were kind of the lads were jealous of, and the women took a shine too. Oh yeah, and uh, I think, but as you say, he, he he was always a very humble guy, and always always got yeah. on very well with anyone, regardless of what kind of background they came from or um, or what their association with rugby was. He was just a universally yeah. popular guy. I think no matter how serious he was, he could always appreciate a good gag. I remember if you were chatting like and he said something and you kind of gave an old funny answer back, like he'd laugh at it even though it was a serious conversation. He yeah. wasn't one to, you know, kind of give you a strange look for trying to make lighthearted stuff. So I think that was always, it was a good sign of him as well. Yeah, he he was like he was a tough guy as well in terms of mm. when he needed to be tough um, as his role demanded. He, he was the old phone would go missing that time and the radio's <laughs> ringing him like, right, yeah. yeah. But uh, again, to refer back back to Philip Spees and the Examiner today, um, the story about Donica O'Callaghan, which some people may be familiar with, but uh, Garrett refers to when um, uh, Donica went to Garrett looking for a rise when his contract was being renewed. Garrett's response to the request was, you don't drink, you don't smoke, you live at home. <laughs> what do you want more money for? Suitably mollified, Donegal went away to think about it. After consulting with his buddies, he went back to Garrett and tried again, this time saying he was thinking of buying a car. <laughs> so, <laughs> I was actually talking to an- another player uh, yesterday, talking about a previous negotiation he had with Garrett, and um, uh, this was a couple of years back, and he said that you know it was kind of getting to the business end of negotiations, and... 
Gareth got in touch with the player and said you're around tomorrow um, how does 9.30 suit and the player said uh, I'm actually I'm away between uh, 9 and 11.30 Gareth can we go after that Gareth said I'll see you at 9.30 <laughs> so he was a he was a tough taskmaster when he needed to be but um, uh, as you said he always he always retained that um, really good connection yeah. with uh, people at all levels of the organisation so um, he'll be sadly missed yeah I remember we were when we were in school um, so the juniors and seniors used to always play like the same teams in the same week so like if we were going to Dublin we'd both be playing St Michael's or whatever it was or, so we were getting the bus one day I, I must have been in second year I was playing with the juniors so we were travelling with the seniors and uh, it was obviously after Christmas and there's usually uh, a drinking band in like for the senior lads when um, getting closer to the cup so Gary used to be we used we were known for checking in on fellas and uh, I remember we were all sitting on the bus waiting to go and uh, he stood up at the front of the bus and he shouted down, where were you last night? I, I rang your house phone and your mother said there was no sign of you and she didn't know where you would be and he said, where were you? And I, said, I was actually at the cinema and I stopped in in the fruit shop on the way home <laughs> and the whole bus erupted laughing like, but as I said, Gareth's kind of personality, he, he didn't bat an eyelid, laughed at it himself and sat down and could appreciate a, a good gag like to be fair to him. <laughs> So yeah, so um, yeah, a sad, a sad period for Munster rugby, and, and a sad few years really. With um, <clears throat> following on from uh, Axel passing away back in 2016, that's two very big characters in Munster rugby that have left a big, big legacy behind them. So uh, once again, our thoughts uh, to Anya, Megan, Jamie, and Michael um, in this difficult time. But um, yeah, uh, rest in peace, Garrett. Uh, yep. You'll be sorely missed. Yeah, rest in peace. We've got Raj on the line now. Uh, Raj, hope you keep him well. Obviously, a sad time for Munster Rugby. It's lost a uh, very big personality. He would have had a much different relationship with him compared to like mm. our generation. Like he obviously started pro rugby, kind of. He came into the CEO job as it just kicked off. You were all kind of finding your feet together compared to, you know, there was no agents or anything. You were dealing with him kind of one on one as opposed to, like we didn't really have much face time with him. Like yeah, well, exactly. And it was, it was very different back then, and the fact that it was. Like it literally was Tuesday and Thursday night when I first went into Munster. And then that was in 97. Then it was professional in 98 with professional being a full-time contract, 7,500. <laughs> would that have been punt, punt or euro? Punt, 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 yeah, yeah. Would have still been punt, all money. Uh, yeah, and, and if you were on a national contract, it was... Like the big dogs in Ireland were uh, David Corkery, Brian O'Mara and uh, Dominic Crotty. They got a Mondeo and a national deal of 25,000. Um, and it was, you know, ever since, I suppose, it was just um, Gareth was there. But, I, you know, it was very different in the fact that um, we were, I suppose, just monster. It, it, was all we knew in in the fact that if you were it was more the club game and then Munster but it wasn't like really the option of going to England or anything like that for any of the players it was well I remember I remember going up to with my old fella uh, kind of in mid to late 90s around that period going up to watch European Cup games in Musgrave Park and there literally being 250-300 people up there uh, watching competitive European rugby which is probably difficult for people under a certain age to comprehend now but was there any indication back then of what way professional rugby was going to go Raj and, and um... no no I remember for the reason I suppose uh, it was there was a was a John Bevan from Wales declined the Munster job and that's how Declan Kidney came in and then 
um, Shergarth was a teacher, or was he in, in, in Christian? Christian? That's how he, he yeah. knew him, Duncan, wasn't it? Yeah, he he was still coaching when I was, I think he left when I was going into third year, maybe, kind of around 2000, so he was, I think he coached the senior cup team kind of in 1999-2000. And he was poached from the bank then to go into Munster. But yeah, like as I said, I wouldn't have had much dealings in Christians, I would have had one or two, like bummed in them, chatted to them a few times, but... Um, as I said, you seem to have more of a, an appreciation of the personality. Like we only yeah, kind of got we only got glimpses of it. Like no, Gareth, who, he never he never came across as. I never look upon Gareth as the CEO. He was mm. Gareth. Yeah. You know, he was always there, but um, like uh, it was weird because Dunnick was is two years younger than me, Dunnick O'Callaghan, and uh, Dunnick and himself were were nearly buddies. So like. <laughs> I was travelling to every game and every training session Cork, Limerick with Dunica and Dunica used to talk like him and take him <laughs> off and uh, it was very funny well it was very funny 20 years ago it's not very funny now yeah. with the same jokes regurgitated as you know um, but um, it, it was um, I think the abiding memory that, that I think rest with me is just um, Garrett's passion for the game he was very very passionate you know I just win the thing first and everything else looks after itself you know that was yeah. always what he said you know yeah, we, heard, we heard that one a few first. times as well yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, you know I think um, it's only when you kind of stand back a bit and you watch a little bit of old footage the atmospheres in Tom and Parker you know I mean from probably 2000 on there's no doubt it was, it was it's the best atmosphere. Well, it probably isn't nowadays, but it was certainly around 2000. In terms of, like, Garrett, so Garrett, you made your debut, Raj, in 97, and Garrett took over in 99, so you're both starting, more or less, at that time, that kind of transition into into professional rugby, but still, I, I would say, hanging on to a lot of elements of the amateur era. What do you think the biggest challenges were for Munster and for Garrett in particular at that stage? Uh, as you said, with nobody really knowing what direction the thing was going to go, um, did it kind of did it all look after itself? Was there a lot of groundwork that went into getting Munster to the position where they were competing for European Cups? Ah, just there was, there was, and there was, a, you know, it's see, I think there's a few stages in 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 the career of a rugby man I suppose you're the player where you're incredibly selfish and all you concern yourself is with you because it's hard enough to succeed when you're in your own little um, uh, boule as they say in France, in, in France. What's it? you're in your own little bubble essentially mm. and all you all you care about is yourself because you have to and then uh, as time comes along you kind of get, become more experienced and you see it kind of how it this affect the group and how would it affect the squad as you become more mature and become a senior player and then you look upon it as a management team but like there was so much work done by Gareth by Jerry Holland uh, Colm Tucker um, Brian O'Brien um, so many I suppose the best of the club men basically put aside their differences between Shannon <laughs> Cookies Khan Gary Owen everyone for the best of Munster and it really really became a first you know, super club because uh, at first they were saying it will never work, but it was the likes of Gareth really who gelled the whole thing together. And Farns Sadecki, he did it as that was his his masterpiece, putting getting the red jersey more powerful than the clubs, and the clubs were extremely powerful then. Yeah, if, I suppose 
if you look at everything that Gareth achieved when you put it down on paper, it's very difficult to envisage anyone else in a similar role having had that much success over such a prolonged period of time, two European Cups, the redevelopment of Thoman Park and Mosgrave Park, which in themselves are, are massive projects and continue to really be worked on uh, today, particularly with Musgrave Park, uh, the construction of the High Performance Centre in Limerick. Stuff like having, was it eight players selected for the Lions in 2009, Raj? I know um, there was a lot nine. of bad luck. Nine, nine. nine players, so there's a lot of bad luck. I think, uh, yeah, <laughs> not everyone right, got I to think, go. Um, it's only when you kind of stand back and take a bit of a, a global view, he's been there really when, um, well, over a long period of time. But I think... The biggest compliment I could probably give him, I think, how he shaped the men. I think you'd like to think that, as you know, the people that have gone before, you always like to leave the jersey in a better place. But he shaped a lot of difficult characters into really good men, I think. And, um, you know, like there was a bit of rough edges on a lot of us. But I think the great thing about Gareth was he, he and Munster, the values he learned was probably respect. And that stays with you. I think that was very important because... You know, meet a few wild or wild men in our team, and a few fellas who needed discipline, and a few other guys who needed their confidence built up. But um, I think Gareth has a huge patience too, because um, you got to understand he was dealing with Paulie and myself a lot too, and um, I can tell you some of those meetings weren't um, <laughs> weren't uh, passive, should we say? You know, but he he always did what's best for Munster and. You know, I think I'll always remember too and be grateful that I didn't, uh, I kind of retired as a player and I didn't go into the group as a coach. I think that was really, I always thank Gareth for that. I always mm. thank Gareth for that. I think it was just such a wise move out of him to keep me, to separate because you just didn't want your memories as a player tarnished potentially by going into a staff because you're too close with the player. Now I have all those memories of playing with those boys that that aren't spoilt or, or soured. I always got the impression that he was uh, like quite a tough person, but you know, if you did step out of line that in the public eye he'd support you all the way, but behind closed doors he'd he'd tell you what's what and drag you back in line. So that kinda of goes to what you were saying there. Yeah, absolutely, yeah, but I think um you know, I think I read a few there was some few great tributes to him over the last forty eight hours and um I think Garrett was fair. That's all you can ask. He's got a bloody tough job. He was very, very fair. But he was also, you could see the pride in him. He dropped his guard a few times over the years. And I think that's so important too because um, he has such a big title or whatever. But to me, it was just Garrett, one of the kind of founding members of, of the journey that day really were kick-started in, in Bordeaux that semi-final when we beat Toulouse and um, you know I think uh, it was just important to see what it meant to him in 06 and 08 and um, yeah it, it's uh, I always say you got to enjoy the journey and he was on the journey for, for such a long time that um Everyone who has worn that jersey, I think, has um, has a really soft spot for him. Yeah, definitely. And the fact that he was there essentially for 20 years and probably, for all intents and purposes, would still be here in, in, in the same role um, had his health not taken a turn for the worse. Uh, 
I think it's so rare nowadays, particularly given how much money is in the world of professional sport, but now in recent years in particular, professional rugby, it's so rare to have someone in such a senior role in an organisation for such a long period of time that has a real genuine connection to the place, right from right from school-wise rugby through club rugby to amateur provincial rugby and, and right into success in the professional era. How important was it to have kind of a guy with that attachment to Munster overseeing the whole thing? And Most important. You cannot underestimate what he's done, Duncan. You cannot, like... When you think of Munster, you think of guards, you think of how passionate he was, and that's sometimes an overused word, but he absolutely loved Munster rugby. He was doing his job. He wouldn't have looked upon it as a job, but he was also smart enough to kind of reinvent himself a few times. He knew when to kind of keep his distance. He knew when the squad needed a word and discipline. He created, I think, a group of players, well, certainly I can only speak for the squads I played in, that would be will be friends for the rest of their lives that's so important because we don't really have a game to, in a dressing room where we go and see each other but and we're all spread throughout the world but the connection I think forged among the teams that I played in is is down to the values that uh, essentially Gareth ha- has created because you have to get direction from the top and he was the man who gave us the direction and uh, it's a bloody sad day. It's a very, very, very sad day. And um, it's shocking, really, because I suppose it's a little bit like Axel, where, uh, you know, I unfortunately didn't make the funeral today until you actually see that a coffin, it doesn't really register um, with you. So it's it's uh, it's it's um, very, very sad. It is, absolutely. And uh, I think the... One, one bit of consolation for his family will be um, how touched I'm sure they all are with the crowds that turned out yesterday and indeed today because uh, I saw I saw someone say online um, the, the name escapes me but he's one of the executives in the Pro 14 and he commented on how universally popular Garrett was kind of in rugby circles right around Europe and uh, I think that's a good summary of what his personality really was he was just a popular guy with everyone that he dealt with and everyone that he came across with and um yeah, he, he certainly left and a lot of... And on their family as well, Anya. I know I met Anya over the years, his wife, and um, she was, uh, she still is, it's an absolute monster nut. Loves it. Upside down. Yeah. You could just see them smiling in her face and uh, it'll always stick with me, you know, and it's, you know, they say obviously behind the great man is an even better woman and I, I think um, she was, uh, she should be very, very proud today and I think, as you said, the reaction obviously he's been there such a long time but it's not the amount of time you're there it's it's the quality you bring when you are there and he brought brought it in spades and uh you know there's a reason why Munster is known as one of the best clubs in the world and it's down to Gareth Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 